As the Enterprise pursues a Gorn ship that raised a Federation outpost, Kirk is forced into a deadly death match that pits man against lizard man. Will brains beat brawn? Is that Gorn wearing a male romper? Are humans the real monsters? Well, yes, but the Gorn are jerks too! It's set podcast to stun! feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Galron. Hello, Kapla. And Captain Corey. Hey, Clint. I, I, I looked, listened to like two episodes ago, and you haven't called me Admiral Corey for such a long time, and I forgot all about the bit. So, you know what? You win. You got it. <laughs> I got it. I did it. I won, everyone. I won. All right. Well, this For is the a first very... first time in your life. Yeah. A very special episode of Set Podcast to Stun, where I have beat Corey into submission. So uh, hopefully everything will go a lot smoother from now on. We just need to break Emily and get her doing what she needs to do. Uh, actually, as it turns out, I have both a poor memory and no investment in this, so that will never happen. <laughs> Well, I'll have to find other ways to punish you. Isn't your presence enough? Surely. Yeah, for right now, the only way I know how to punish you is to launch into our regular podcast. So <laughs> let's go for it. So this episode, we are reviewing Arena. After a attack on a Federation outpost, Kirk and the Enterprise crew pursue a mysterious vessel. Um, eventually, both vessels are stopped. And they are contacted by a race called the Metatron, right? I got that right. They're called the Metatron. They're angels. This is an episode from Christian mythology. These are literally angels sent by God to come and intervene in Kirk's life. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening right now. <laughs> yep. We've had our uh, our ancient Rome metaphor. Now it's uh, early Christianity. We're just moving through the timeline. Maybe yeah. Kirk is the next messiah. And that's why they intervened, because they are angels, and they ha they are named after people in the Bible, and they have the powers of angels. So, I mean, I'm yeah. not trying to be like a theologian or anything. I'm just looking at the evidence in front of me. They are they're, the Metrons. They're, they're not I the Metatrons. Metrons. Yeah, they're, yeah, Metrons. So, I think it's close enough. I mean, that's what they were going for. So, anyway, um, the Metrons are like, oh, you both are savage, and you, you're gonna, we're gonna make you fight. So, they uh, beam down. Captain uh, Captain Kirk and the Gorn Captain, which are a bunch of lizard people. And yeah, they got to fight to the death on that planet. Good old hand-to-hand -hand combat. Or is it? So um, let's launch into this episode. Usually we like to start off by talking about the characters. There's not really a whole ton of like, you know, characters that they introduce. I mean, there's the Gorn and the Metron, but they're not really a lot to sink your teeth into. <laughs> Oh my god, Clint, I hate you so much. <laughs> that that pun makes sense if you're fighting a lizard. So would you guys think of, well, you know, first before we start, we always, we want to, what would you guys think of the episode? Did you like it or did you hate it? There's nothing wrong with the episode in and of itself. 
but it was disappointing because it felt exactly like the one with the Tranya. This alien, you know, standoff that ends up being like, we're not so different, you and I, and oh, maybe there's hope for humans. Like, it just felt like an episode we'd already seen. Mm-hmm. What about you, Cor? What do you think of it? No, I like the part when Kirk made his crafting table and then he got his uh, diamonds and he made himself a he made himself a cool sword and then diamond uh, bazooka. Yeah, and I liked I liked that like when he was mining for things and then he got all those things and put them together to make other things. So that was a cool part. I really liked that. Oh my god, that part really spoke to me. I don't know. Um, there's this video game that's really hot right now called Valheim, and it's like a Viking version of Minecraft. And that's what I've been doing for the past, like, for the past two weeks, every time I haven't been at work, I've been literally just playing this game. And it's a lot of gathering and basically doing, yeah, what Kirk is, is doing right now. Um, I really yeah, also that really spoke to me. Yes, and I appreciated the Christian overtones in this episode for once they're kind of hitting the big screen. And then the last thing I want to say is that I was trying to take a nap while I was watching this episode and this, the first like 15 minutes made that impossible because they're just in like a World War One <laughs> trench warfare situation and you just hear like whistling bombs and explosions and it just made it hard for me to take that nap because I was really loud. You know, I usually encourage you to multitask, but I don't know, yeah, if napping and watching an uh, episode for for our podcast should be done at the same time. Sound like a teacher, Clint. <laughs> yeah, Clint. Corey gets enough of that. These are these are called bits. <laughs> yeah, I thought the episode was it was pretty good. I didn't love it or anything. It was it did its job, but this I mean, seems... I do think that. More television shows should incorporate plot lines that hinge on high stakes crafting mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yeah. characters who have disco balls for eyes. <laughs> Did you see he blinked a couple times? When- yeah. My theory was that they added that in the re- restoration because it looked way too good. Oh, they did it in the restoration. I thought like in the 60s, they would have just like rotoscoped <laughs> it on or something because um, you only see him blink twice and then he never blinks again lizards lizards only have to blink once a day to keep their eyes moist it was fifteen hundred dollars a blink so they really had to ration them (laughs) only the most dramatic of moments yeah (laughs) i wish they would have thrown a wink in there he should have just been winking at kirk and then (laughs) that would have saved money and this episode would have have gone a whole new direction (laughs) i'm gonna fucking kill you wink But yeah, I think this is like a seminal episode of Star Trek. And did you notice that, you know, you get you got the famous kind of stilted talking that Kirk does, you know, when he talks like this and we only get a few words per time before the shat the Shatner comma. Yeah. And so he was doing that a lot when he was giving his like report on the planet. There were a lot of firsts in this episode. I think there was the first mention of a photon torpedo and the first mention of the Federation as well. Oh, really? Yeah. And the Gorn come back quite a bit. And they're always these like very animalistic antagonists. Well, I've only seen them in one other episode, but I haven't seen it. I, you know, I can't remember the rest of TOS, so they might appear in that. But I don't. Sorry to correct you. I don't think they ever appear again. I think they only appear once in Enterprise. Yeah, there's one time in Enterprise where you they see sh- a, a Gorn. 
They show up in um, DS9 and I think TNG. DS9? Where do they show up in DS9? I don't know, but I know they do. I don't think they do, Emily. I don't think they ever show up again. Like, I think they're just a one-time thing. What? No, I swear. I feel like I have a memory of the Gorn. What are Did the... You, do you dream episodes of DS9? <laughs> it's totally possible. What Maybe is... you're reading too much erot- Star Trek erotica. How dare you? How dare <laughs> you accuse me? Is there such a thing as reading too much Star Trek erotica? We call it Gorn porn. <laughs> Enterprise. What? I'm telling you. Well, Emily wraps her her walnut around that nugget. This is blowing my mind. What is the one where? Are you thinking of Rugrats with Reptar? No, (laughs) it does look exactly like Reptar. No, there's like a planet or a a species that is in DS9, and it captures them. And they have helmets on the whole time. They never take their helmets off. Those are the Breen. Oh, the Breen. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of the Breen then. Never mind. I yeah. take it back. Yeah. Do you okay. want to hear the Breen, the a fun fact about the Gorn? Yeah. Ben Stiller has the the head, the hat, the hood. <laughs> he has the mask. He, he owns <laughs> this mask. He has the head that we see today. Yeah. He has that. That's ben cool. Ben Stiller. Yeah. It's sitting on uh, his mantle above his bed. Why does he have it? Is he a big Star Trek fan? I guess he would have to be. Yeah, Clint. He has it because he's a big Star Trek fan. <laughs> Way to ask and answer your own question. Well, I don't like why does he have it? He hates it. He hates Star Trek so much that he doesn't want anyone else to have this cultural icon. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> you fucking nerds, I'm gonna keep it from you forever. <laughs> so many people would jizz their pants to have this head, and I'm just get off keeping it from them. He actually hangs it above his toilet so that he can Ugh. pee on it. I was wondering if his if his dad had any like connection to to Star Trek or anything. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Maybe his uh, his dad like knew Shatner or something. Yeah. Well, or, why wonder? Let me type in Jerry Stiller Star Trek and see what comes up. I'll be back in five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I do hope that Ben Stiller wears that head around uh, during COVID times as like a health mask. That would be delightful. This mask probably smells awful and is like probably if you look at it wrong would crumble into dust. <laughs> it does Yeah, I will say this I definitely felt like the Gorn costume was a big moment for sci-fi, but it did not look like it was well constructed. Mhm. Mhm. At least they didn't sew it on onto it, that guy's head like the uh like the rabbit the head, rabbit, head as on far as we know. I I will say that when I first when the Gorn first appeared, I wrote "discoized tunic dinosaur." Uh, <laughs> if no one has seen a picture of this, that's a great way to describe them. <laughs> okay, I found the connection. Okay, Jerry Stiller's wife and Mira wrote a book about Star Trek conventions in the seventies. Oh, okay. That it's that's all I got for you. Okay. That is the connection. You cracked the case. <laughs> Detective Corey strikes again. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get on with this show. So yeah, what did you guys that opening? I actually like that opening segment where they they come to this the base, the star base. It's all been destroyed, and they're like in a little fight. Um, they have to like run across a field that's being mortared to get their own mortars, and I guess they're getting shot by laser beams too. You never see that. Because one guy just gets 
fucking vaporized. Yeah, that was kind mm-hmm. of exciting. Uh, I um, did not like it. I, I don't like I don't like repetitive <laughs> sounds. They just they they just drive me crazy. And it was basically like, and I just did that. It was probably like five or six or seven minutes. And it was just nonstop. And I also didn't like the the way that they structured it is that Kirk had to like run across this field of Verdun or or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have to watch someone else run across it. So yep. it was like, it was like the same, the same thing. And like the excitement kind of deflated after one person made it across. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I didn't particularly like any of the intro stuff. Well, and then Spock had his little, you know, scanner, his uh, tricorder. I liked too, where he's just like getting information from he it, goes, but he's not they're like tracking looking. our tricorder and he throws it and it explodes. <laughs> oh yeah. That was great. That was pretty good. It was, it was also crazy that they had nuke mortars basically, right? They just like nuked that whole mountain with they're that one mortar. Really uh, interested in nuclear, like handheld nuclear weapons in this iteration of Star Trek. I bet back then that would have been like, whoa, that's crazy. You know, like a nuke that's basically that you could throw like a grenade. I think the thing that bothered me about the beginning, and I know we've talked about this before, so I don't want to harp on it too much, but like they overwrote the setup. Like they had this whole thing where they're like going to see this old friend of theirs and they're saying that I think he's like a good host, but it sounds really innuendo-y. And then they get down there and there's like, wait, the messages were a trick. And there's this big old battle and the whole battle exists just to get them to chase an alien ship. So it's like 20 minutes of red herrings that have nothing to do with the main plot. And like all they needed to do is be like, oh, we're going to Cestus 3. We're really looking forward to this guy's hospitality. They get there. It's blown up. They see a ship. They chase the ship. They could have cut out so much. You know what? You know what it feels like, Emily. It's like when when you are in college and you sit down to write a paper and you don't you haven't like written the outline and you spend like forty five minutes on the introduction paragraph and you don't know where it's going. Um, but that's what this this definitely feels like because yeah, there was so much setup about uh, going down to this planet, meeting this this dude who was like a Epstein host. I guess that's kind of what it what they made it sound like. They're like race has its privileges. Yeah, it's super um, creepy. Like I kept, yeah. I kept being like, is this some innuendo that's so dated that I don't quite get what they're implying, but they're implying something? Like, it's... I thought Bones was just excited to have a good meal. I didn't think there was any like, you know, shore leave funny business. You know, there weren't going to be like manufactured sex workers on this planet. He was just looking to, to eat something that wasn't, I don't know, reconstituted protein. Well, we know what Bones likes to eat. Yeah. <laughs> is that what he calls it? Yeah. <laughs> Get some fr- fresh meat up on this ship, if you know what I'm talking about, Kirk. Kirk, I've I've literally had sexual relations with everyone on this ship. I got I got to get some new bodies. <laughs> Work these human to death. All right, let's <laughs> okay. let's move on. Um So yeah, um the 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 I mean, what happens the big thing that happens in this this episode is Kirk versus the Gorn. Kirk versus Reptar. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> we have to call it Reptar from now on. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird because this isn't like the chewiest episode to talk thing to talk about as much, but 
Um, yeah, they get down there. They start fighting. I mean, that that beginning fight is just hilarious. I guess they had a hard time. They'd have a really hard time showing that Kirk is is faster and more agile, right? And and <laughs> this lizard is just slower, right? And like more powerful. Um, but yeah, it did look like a really lame fight where the lizard was trying to swipe at Kirk, and he just kind of does like a lazy duck, you know, and they kind of like hobble around, and he tries to basically like bite his neck open the other thing that's disappointing is that at one point reptar kind of grabs kirk by the shoulders and i was like oh his shirt's gonna come away ripped his shirt doesn't rip this entire episode <laughs> like, oh my how God, is that really? possible this is the first time where it would be reasonable for his shirt to be open and it doesn't <laughs> i just feel like they're because like when he, he has his shirt ripped open like it's only for like a scene or two right so you'd have to have that ripped open shirt the whole time I can't believe you're bringing logic they, into Kirk's yeah. ripped shirt. <laughs> Nonsense. But they did, they did give him some face smudgies at some point. I don't know if it was after the battle or not. That's how you know it's a it's a painful, difficult battle. Mm-hmm. My favorite part about this episode was that the entire B plot was watching the people on the bridge watch Kirk fight him <laughs> or fight the Gorn. And so it just cut to them watching him after you were just watching him. <laughs> <laughs> we already had the watching device uh, when we had the episode uh, with the Forbidden Planet and Captain Pike. So we're just seeing all these elements that are super familiar. That's funny, too, because not only did we watch that episode, but we watched people watch that episode. Yeah. And we watched that episode twice because we watched the pilot. Yeah. And then exactly. And then people listen to us watch an episode <laughs> that people are watching. So that's how this goes. Can we um can we theorize on why this is such a seminal episode? Because like it's not a very good episode. It's 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 not uh, maybe that from a, a modern audience's point of view, we kind of have to divorce ourselves from that. But it's not um terribly exciting. It's really just slow paced and it's pretty laughable in terms. Is it because it's so corny? I think so. I think part of it is the corn factor, especially the Gorn. The Gorns look so weird, and I don't know. Like, they look so poorly put together, not to criticize them, but yeah, like, he doesn't look very well put together. There are definitely some, like, cringy moments. Um, Maybe, though, too, the, like, I remember it was kind of impressive the first time I watched this, when he kind of put the weapon together, because what happens during the fight, Kirk is like, oh, I found all this useless sulfur and this and Diamonds. that and then uh, yeah and then he's like oh wait a second i can turn this into gunpowder and you know shoot diamonds at this lizard that's how he he wins the battle but also too like i thought it was kind of dumb when he was looking at the sulfur he's like sulfur something ancient about sulfur what is it and you know i would think that in this time period a captain would have the chemical training to be like oh sulfur is a base component of ancient firearms you know so for him to be like oh what hidden lost you know knowledge and you know like what primitive man knew if only i knew i wanted kirk to just like like the camera to we watch him passing by and there's like just guns hidden in all of the bushes and under all the ro- rocks. While he's trying to I kept all thinking the same thing. Cause he's looking for a gun. Like it's going to be under a rock. 
<laughs> the god aliens are just watching. They're like, we told him there's weapons down there. What is he doing? I just love that where he's just like, it's close up on him. And he's like, I can't find any guns. And it zooms out. And it's just like a field of guns littered everywhere. <laughs> he just runs right past a bush covered in swords. It's like a <laughs> halo like... death match, just ammo everywhere. <laughs> And he's just like, maybe I can do something with these diamonds. Hmm. It's also, it's disheartening on a very, very personal level because the majority of this episode is like Kirk sprinting around, sitting down, panting out of breath into the recorder, and then running while Gorn just like slowly follows him. And in an earlier episode, we talked about humans being the ultimate persistence hunter. And we're like, damn it, Kirk, mm-hmm. you're proving us wrong. <laughs> Well, and so this is how I I was thinking, like, this is how I would approach a battle with a reptile person is I would get away from them initially and then I would attack at night one, right? Because they are cold blooded, right? So if you attack them while they're cold, while it's cold outside, they're going to be less efficient. Plus, he's really slow and really strong. So you got to think that he burns a lot more energy than than you as a human does if you're more agile. So I would just get out of there and just kind of do like these hit and run attacks that that Kirk, you know, guerrilla style attacks that Kirk was doing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't go at it right away or or pull try and pull a stick off a. a I mean, at one point he does do that. He like gets up a, a, on top of him and like throws a boulder down a mountain, and he looks. Kirk looks so happy when he thinks that he's committed lizard murder, like so pleased. But somehow that boulder just can't keep old Gordon down. Yeah, can mm-hmm. I just add to that, Emily? This is a boulder that's on top of a cliff that is <laughs> like three hundred feet above the Gorn. The boulder is the size of a of a honda civic kirk pushes it off the cliff it splats onto the gorn and in that classic thing where it's only you know 30 minutes into the episode so you know there's no way that the gorn can possibly be dead yeah just the the rock the boulder is just lifted off and then the gorn's like oh that was inconvenient but i don't know man i bet that thing had a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of gravity under it i'm with you Corey. i thought that was i thought that was bullshit that that boulder didn't just smash that gorn to death and like the boulder didn't kill him but the diamonds are going to kill him it just didn't make any sense well the diamonds didn't kill him he just got injured and then kirk was like no i'm not going to commit murder after all Spoiler alert. Yeah, but, like, why wouldn't that boulder injure him enough to... Like, it didn't even... Like, the boulder almost bounced off of him. I, and so, too, did you guys see how excited Spock was getting when he was able to watch the death match? He was super into it. Spock would be, in an alternate universe, Spock is just a big fan of WWE. <laughs> I can't... Like, he was almost, like, getting, like, sexually excited by it. He's like, yes, Captain. Oh, perfect. Perfect. And I don't know if he gets off on violence... Or if he gets off on people making rudimentary weapons. He did seem really excited when he was like, yes, he's putting it together. He's going to make a fucking gun. (laughs) I was reading that the Mythbusters tested that bamboo gun out. Well, so like, I I think we were talking about it, but Kirk stuffs a bunch of gunpowder and diamonds inside of a bamboo um, tube and then (laughs) fires it off. Using his phaser to strike against the flint to make the fire... 
Is that what was going on? No, I thought it was the recording device oh, that okay. he was given. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. the Mythbusters tested if this if a bamboo um, shell could hold up, and no, it could not. But then someone else was like, oh, well, actually, the writers thought that on this planet, the bamboo was made out of iron, and that if you go into like the extended universe and read the novels about this planet, then they clearly state that the bamboos have the same like strength as iron. I'm like, just, just say you fucked up. Just say you messed up. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of work to do just to be like yeah we just put it in there and we didn't think about it but i was thinking the same thing i'm like man you're just just gonna blow yourself up with that thing yeah suddenly you have no hands yeah you did see him testing the strength of the bamboo so maybe he's like okay this is good but it could have made just as good a bomb than like a shot you know a primitive shotgun oh i do too want to talk about um what the Gorn is wearing. Emily talked about that a little bit, but I mean, he's basically, I would describe it as a male romper. It's a romper. Yeah. It's a romper. Yeah. It's definitely a romper. It doesn't cover much. It doesn't leave much to the imagination. And that (laughs) again, goes to my point that like, he's gotta be, he's going to be cold on this planet when nightfall hits. Right. Oh, that was your point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, but yeah, if you do any kind of a Google search for the Gorn, like it is just crazy how much stuff comes up. There's so much merchandise and and memeology, and uh, I mean it, it's it's such like a it's like in the top five things that people would list about old Star Trek, right? The Gorn, Tribbles, the Enterprise, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it it is such a, an iconic piece. And it's such a big part of people's collective memory about Star Trek. And after watching this episode, I just cannot understand why. Because I, I personally didn't enjoy this episode very much. Um, but I'm glad I watched it. Because now I know. There's one big thing about this episode that we forgot to mention. Is that the twist at the end is the humans were the bad guys this whole time. Because the planet that they were going to visit at the start was a Gorn planet. We, we find out and the Gorons were just defending their own planet and the humans are really seen as the invaders. So you're supposed to be like, oh, my God, I don't know what's real anymore. And that, that was like, I guess, a pretty big twist for people to wrap their minds around. Oh, I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because I was thinking about that in the episode. And I thought it was weird that it automatically turned like that, where they're like, oh, maybe we're invading their territory. They were just trying to protect themselves. But I I don't agree with because that's the the conclusion that Bones comes to them. He's like, oh my god, they were just defending their territory. Maybe they were just defending themselves. Maybe we as humans are in the wrong. We as the Federation, you know, we're trespassing on these people's property. But I don't think that justifies them coming in and like murdering a bunch of people, right? It's you, you can't be like, oh, maybe we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, or maybe they're not that bad. Like, if the Gorn came in, and be like, came in and said, hey, this is our planet, it's in our territory, get out of here. Then, and then if the Federation attacked, then I could see a both sides, like, are we right, are we wrong? But we just came in this planet, we didn't, it's not like we killed a bunch of lizard people to, you know, colonize this planet. Maybe they did, we don't know, we weren't there for sure. But it's not like we're like, oh, yeah, we saw these weird lizard people on the planet and and we just murdered them all because we couldn't understand them and set up our colony. Then that makes it justifiable. But, yeah, just to come in and murder everyone without saying anything doesn't make them. I, I can't say like, oh, maybe they have a point. 
Well, also because it, it sounded like Census 3 was like this big city and this bustling outpost. So it's not like they just dropped the people off and they were like, oh, well, let's give them their resupply. It was like, oh, they've been here for years and they've brought women and children and they they're you know they have an open port for policy so it's like this is a really established colony so why did they just go oh it's been three years you're not supposed to be there obliterate well also the humans surrendered so if you just want them off your planet and they're surrendering to you and you continue to attack them you're the bad guy still yeah yeah the planet's name is cestus three do you guys know what a cestus is it's like the the Roman glove that they used in the gladiator. Oh. It has like iron oh. spikes on all the knuckle joints. Okay. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that has nothing to do with the episode itself. I just found that to be kind of an interesting fun fact. Well, according to Wikipedia, yeah, no, no, sort of... Cestus 3 is also the birthplace of Cassidy Yates, who is a character in DS9. Ah, uh, that's what it's from. I'm like, I've heard this before in another context and I couldn't figure it out. And she would talk about it because I think... They're playing baseball on Cestus 3, where she comes from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. That was bugging me, because I'm like, I know I've heard this in another context before, but I couldn't figure it out. I've earned my keep for another year, unfortunately. Mm, you get you get your portion of Tranya, Emily. Good <laughs> job. <laughs> ah, the Tranya. On IMDb, they were talking about how DS9 mentions Cestus 3 and how Cisco mentions this episode where he's like, God, what what I would give to watch Kirk fight that Gorn. And I wanted to be like, uh, Cisco, you don't really want to see that. It's not that great. <laughs> yeah. But you also, he could probably absolutely see it because the um, the crew was watching it and I'm assuming they record everything. You know, mm-hmm. so he they could he could just go into the historical well. databases and watch this boring ass fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would think it would be a, a somewhat famous piece of media, but maybe the um, maybe it's banned to watch this fight because it like glorifies violence. It's like the banned planet where you can't go there unless you really want to. Yeah, unless you're Kirk, and then whatever, do whatever you want, Kirk. We trust you. That's the other thing that drove me nuts, is when he shows up and he's like, my god, they've destroyed this. We have to chase them. I'm like, no, you don't. Call for backup from the Federation. Like, report what you found, you idiot. Yeah, that drove me crazy, too. He just, and apparently there's like a a Ahab and Moby Dick thing here, because he, and then they they call on that a lot in TOS. Um, But like, Kirk just like, suddenly is brings up the worst traits of humanity like he doesn't want to negotiate he doesn't want to think about this he just has like the red mist descends over him and he wants to destroy this ship mm. and then that that's what gets him into hot water when everyone else on the ship is like oh chill it a little bit dude we don't need to be doing this right now mm-hmm. i too like how spock kind of turns because he's arguing against this course of action and then Kirk's like no this is what we're gonna do and then spock just turns that flip sw- flips that switch and he's like all right let's go kill these people but we really need to kill them if we're going to kill them we need to kill them all the way or it's no point of doing this it reminds me of that episode where Corey was like is kirk hung over because he's just being a dick yeah. <laughs> it felt the same way well he's he does i feel like we do see him where he gets very angry about injustice or humans being killed it's one thing that he 
that really gets his goat. As a deeply impatient person who strives to be normal in situations instead of losing my shit and telling people to move faster, I uh, I strongly relate to Kirk in this moment. Um, oh, I wanted to, to bring up the fact about the Metrons where they stopped both ships and then they were saying, hey, we're going to... We're going to bring you onto this planet and just your captains are going to fight each other and that'll solve the conflict. Uh, But then what didn't make sense to me was then we're going to kill whoever the ship of whoever loses. And I just don't know why they're interfering with this conflict. Like I could understand if they're like, well, we don't want people to die. So we're just going to let your captains duke it out. And then whoever kills who is the winner. And then we'll send both ships along. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe just to raise the stakes. But again, this is where I say like the complaint of being overwritten. We don't need it to be the stakes this high. Like we're fine just being emotionally invested in Kirk. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, what what, what would be the best way to do this? You as the writer, you know that the structure of this episode is that the captain is going to fight another captain on a planet. And you're like, holy crap, how do we how do we get two captains off of their ship? unsupported with no help at all and they have to fight each other and so it's crazy to me that they went to okay well there's these divine beings that interfere and take both captains which had been chasing each other after a colony was destroyed and they're going to take the captains down and make them fight and then they're not going to let the ships intercede like it's such a crazy mental gymnastics to get this going here like how would you guys get two captains down onto a planet you have them on Cestus 3, Cestus is being attacked, and when the Enterprise shows up to intervene, the aliens who are attacking Cestus say, you know what, you're right, you have a claim against us for destroying this outpost, but we have a claim against you for settling in our territory, so we're gonna settle this by hand-to-hand combat, as is our tradition, and it's going to be in an arena, which... Everyone will be able to watch from the stands like a coliseum, but for you in the battle, it will be like an endless planet. So you still get this like sci-fi element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that because Kirk wouldn't wouldn't turn that down. He'd be like, okay, let's do this. It would Mm -hmm. be his idea. And then if like the Gorn are the ones overseeing this and Kirk goes, I'm not going to kill him. Then the Gorn are like, no, you have to. This is this is our tradition. And he goes, no, I'm not going to do it. Then that really creates an interesting cultural clash, right? Yeah, I, I really, really like the way you did it, Emily. It's much, much more simple than the crazy half an hour that was before the Gorn even showed up in this episode. Yeah, overall, I don't know. So-so episode. Not the worst, not the greatest. Pretty, pretty middle of the road. So... Uh, I know that I, if anyone here complains about the writing and like the, 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 the plot of episodes, um, more, it's probably me and I understand that. And I was thinking that I kind of want to put my money where my mouth is. And I just want to show you guys, uh, a treatment that I've been working on. And would you guys be okay with practicing it with me? And then you can give me some feedback when you're done and tell me if you, if you like it or not. Sure. Corey. Yeah. Happy to do this. Anything for a fellow Starfleet officer. That's my that's my Klingon voice. Uh, no, that's great, and I and I love the voices, and I want to I want to see voices, and I want to I kind of want you guys to you know have fun with the roles and inhabit them and really live in them. Um, 
Hold on, let me just pass out your guys' scripts. Emily, this is yours. Clint and I have uh, obviously many awards for our acting, so here to <laughs> treat everybody. Clint, here's your script. All right, thank you. Okay, so we have uh, an ensemble cast here. We have Kirk, Spock, McCoy, the narrator, and then Scotty. And I just want you guys to pick whatever roles you want. Just pick, just pick. Uh, actually, I'll just pick your guys' roles for you. Um, I'll be Kirk, the narrator, and Scotty. Um, and you guys can decide who you want, like between Spock and McCoy, between the two of you. Okay, so Scotty isn't the narrator. No, no. Oh, okay. He has a tiny role, so I'll just okay. do it. Uh, who do you want to be, Emily? Um... I think I'll be Spock. Okay, I'll be McCoy. That's Wait. excellent. If you guys had kind of chosen the other way around, I would have corrected that. <laughs> All right, or let me get into characters. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. Damn it, Jim. I'm a surgeon, not a scientist. Wow. You're okay. Hold on. Let's take it down to like a six, because you're a, you're at a ten right now. Okay. McCoy right. has a lot of feelings that he needs to get out. I mean, <clears throat> McCoy has a lot of feelings that he needs to get out. What a, is he, what? Is he a fucking gremlin? Yeah, are you Yoda? <laughs> no, I was trying to do the... <laughs> I'm a sexy doctor, not a sexy surgeon. <laughs> Emily, you are not going to do that voice during the script, okay? You need to pick a different one. Yeah, that was if you're... You need to be a... Uh, you're Spock. You, Spock. you need to be emotionless. I'm Spock. Is this better? <laughs> that is, that's really good. That's great. Um, are you, I, you guys haven't read this before. We're just going to like jump into it cold. Are you guys ready to go? Yeah, sure. Okay. The name of this, yeah. um, the name of this scene, it's like a small, it's like a, a tiny episode. Okay. Um, is Some Like It Hot. And uh, I realized that was the name of a Futurama episode, but I just really liked to reuse that. So, well, isn't that also a Marilyn Monroe Movie. Yeah, we're gonna go. No, we're gonna go ahead and get started not here. Marilyn Monroe. It's Jack Lemon. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Some like it hot. McCoy, Spock, and Kirk are relaxing in the Enterprise sauna after a strenuous workout. Spock, why don't you get some more steam going? You could even warm a bowl of soup in here. As you know, Doctor, food products are prohibited in the gymnasium. Maybe that's. <laughs> Maybe it's that damn green blood of yours that makes you adverse to anything above room temperature. As I'm sure you know, the planet Vulcan has an average temperature well above 35 degrees centigrade. Spock turns to Kirk, who is reclining on a bench. His eyes are closed, and sweat streams down his exposed bronzed abdomen. <laughs> Captain, ooh, I was most impressed with your takedown move of Ensign Harris. What form of martial art was that? That was just something I came up with on the spot. How is the ensign doing? Don't worry, Jim. Once I get him here, uh, we'll get into surgery. He'll live. <laughs> He's a fine young crewman. If I don't keep him in sickbay, he'll have my job one day. The three uh, of them uh, laugh. Uh, 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 uh. Gentlemen, I appreciate this recreation ritual. However, I should return to my duties. Spock stands up and hangs his towel near the door. He moves to open the sauna door and jiggles the handle. It appears that this door is sealed. I would theorize that something is blocking the door from the other side. Bone stands up and tries the door handle. He's right, Jim. There's something jamming the door. What's wrong, Bones? Too much time at your medical terminal? Give it a little elbow grease. <sighs> Bones and Spock push against the door. <laughs> there goes my towel. <laughs> Wait. There goes my towel. 
<laughs> there goes my towel. Pushing with your penis? How peculiar. The door will not budge. Spock walks over to the communication panel and keys in a code. Mr. Scotty, can you please send up a technician to unblock the door to the sauna? The intercom sounds out a garbled message. Scotty's voice can barely be heard through the static. Something's not right. I have my tricorder here. Let me just scan the room to see if I can pick up what's on the other side of the door. Jim, a human being can only survive 20 minutes at this temperature before severe dehydration and heat stroke set in. It's already been 16 minutes. Gentlemen, I have a thought. I'm getting some awfully strange readings on my tricorder. Take a look at this, Doc. Mm. Bones looks down at the tricorder. His eyes go wide with disbelief. Hmm. Gentlemen, listen to me and think before you answer my next question. Does the Enterprise have a sauna? I, well, I could have sworn. That confirms the readings. This is all an illusion. Kirk stands up, stretches his arms out, then delivers a haymaker punch to Spock. Spock falls to the floor. Jim, what's gone into you? That's... Earlier, Spock asked me what school of martial arts I studied. The real Spock would know that I never trained under any master. Then he laughed at my joke. Spock never laughs. Ha, huh, Captain Kirk, I was wondering when you would figure it all out. Who are you, damn it? Why have you taken me off my ship? Where's the real Spock? <laughs> Why don't you ask whatever is blocking the door? The imposter Spock lunges at McCoy. Oh no, uh, he's giving me a Vulcan neck pinch. Kirk takes the container with the sauna heating rocks and dumps it on top of the imposter Spock. Hot enough for you? The, fig the figure screams, then collapses to the ground. It dissolves into a pool of black liquid. They hear a groan from the other side of the door. Ah! Spock, is that you? I have no memory of how I got here. The communicator buzzes, and Scotty's voice comes on the intercom. Captain, I finally got a lock on you. A probe spirited you off the ship. Transporting now. McCoy reaches for a towel, but it is transported away before he can grab it. The three of them appear on the transporter pod. Pad. Captain, are you okay? <laughs> Never better. Thanks for the lift. If that probe has a real sauna, let's get it aboard. How can you think of reacting after everything we just went through? You said that we could be in there for 20 minutes. I think I only got to 18. I, I... It'll be okay, Bones. Don't sweat it. <laughs> Everyone except Spock laughs. I believe my clavicle has multiple fractures. The end. <laughs> You guys did a fantastic job. Thank Brava. you so much. I, I will take notes now. Do you think we could send this off to Paramount? I think you should keep your day job, Corey. <laughs> oh, fuck. I mean, listen, if you cut off the bottom half and give it a completely different ending, you might have a future in porn. Well, thank you guys so much. <laughs>